I, I maybe I did play just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative in your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. After further review, as you know, it is it's winners and losers from David the Man of God Harris. Go ahead, David. All right, an exciting action-packed week of professional sports, collegiate sports. A little bit. We'll get to the FIFA World Cup that we heard in the ad read just right before we came on air. <laughs> but we'll start with the we'll start with the winners, and we have to, of course, start off with the Toledo Rockets winning the MAC once again. If you listened to last week's show, we were on air when. Quest Stewart scored the first touchdown, and, and one of my three keys of the game was got to run the football. Even, you know, running run, the running game has been our question all year. Who's going to replace Brian Kobach? And when it came time, you know, to w- actually win the game, it was our running backs who helped lead the way. So finally, for the first time in probably what a month, where our running backs have been like, eh, we'll get like three yards here, four yards here. No, like big runs. From the Rockets, defense held great because, you know, obviously Ohio was playing with their backup quarterback, leading rusher. That That's Rockets football. Like, great defense, solid running back. So then and what happened? What was Rocket football the, the two weeks prior then? What was that? I, I, I honestly don't know what it was because it was an ineptitude. There were mistakes. There was giving up. Big place to guys that are playing on Sundays that go to Bowling Green for some reason. Like it was, it was, it was bad. And again, everyone leading up to that game thought Ohio would be Toledo because we were quote unquote coming, you know, coming in rusty and not playing well. Yeah, we limped into that. We limped into the Mac champion. You got to admit, we limped into it. I mean, we limped in, but at the same time, we t- we talked about it even. Whether you know he should have played in the Western game, like Saquon Finn is our team MVP, like hands down. When he plays and he looks more like his old self against Ohio, like that makes a difference. If he's there again, Bowling Green, we we keep the trophy. Well, well, if he if they would have taken care of business against Buffalo, he shouldn't have been in there at the end of the game where he could have got injured. I mean, they basically blew that game. If they do that, you get the win against Buffalo. He's healthy. You probably go on and have at least eleven and one season, or eleven or or nine and two at least. Actually, San Diego State actually had a pretty good year. Yeah, I mean that game was that game was just god awful. Let's not talk about that game and Ohio State because we should have. We should have beat San Diego State, but but even kind of when we talked about it last week, 
should Daquan Finn have gone in a little bit against Western? Probably not, because you want him healthy. I mean, granted, it didn't help, you know, it didn't hurt things because we actually won. But yeah, those all those what ifs. But yeah, the Rockets did what they had to do. Finally, get the Mac Trophy, and now candle watch begins as we prepare to head once again for I think like the 19th time in the past, you know, 10 years to Boca Raton. Yeah, yeah, we go to the Boca Raton a lot. Uh, we got Logan here from WXUT Sports. He's been calling the games. Your thoughts, Logan, here on Winners and Losers? You know, my thoughts specifically about the Toledo Rockets, you know, they ended up winning the MAC championship game. It was good to see. We went up there as a crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to call the game. Uh, it was it was an amazing experience, you know. it's A lot of people aren't able to get that experience in their college career. In well, Wolverine. me and Frank didn't. Neither did David. <laughs> we never got to go up to Ford Field for yep. a champ. But we ended up – Frank, you were with me. For the Mac, the women's Mac championship in Cleveland, right? Uh, no, I I was I didn't go with you then. I went uh, two years for the men in uh, fourteen and fifteen. Ah, okay, that was uh, Karsten. Okay, yeah. But it was just an amazing experience overall to be up there at Ford Field. Got to be on the field uh, with the team for a little bit. Uh, was up in the press box. It was just an amazing experience. You know, it's a once in a lifetime kind of experience for someone who's trying to get to where they want to be. But. What was the? Uh, but can I ask you? What was the uh, food like? The press box food, food? was not good. Not I figure it was. Was, it, was, was it little? Caesar's we get pizza? fed better here at the little uh, at uh, Glass Bowl. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was breakfast You're sandwiches. Spoiled. It was breakfast, breakfast sandwiches. sandwiches. That yeah. was it. Yeah, I did the. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but it's the Quick Lane Bowl now. But um, it was the Little Caesars Bowl, and uh, we only got cookies at that when the Rockets uh, played FIU with uh, uh, Ty wow. Hilton. Yeah, that was T. Eric Hilton. T. Y. Hilton and Eric Page. That was the matchup mm-hmm. right there. And the Rockets had it, and then T. Y. Hilton I think scored a late touchdown in the fourth. And uh, yeah, the the, the well, food. actually they had ran. I remember it because I was sitting there front row, uh, hook and ladder play on fourth down, yes. and then FIU kicked a field goal <laughs> to win it. Right, sounds like, sounds like something Toledo does, but that, well, that was a kick of the junk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, on Toledo's season, you know. I feel like those last couple weeks, you know, that Bowling Green game really just kind of killed their ego for the next game against Western, and they already knew that they were into the MAC championship game. I think they kind of just let up a little bit. Granted, yes, they had Daquan Finn start that game against Western, but they looked like a team who was like, all right, let's just try and get into this MAC championship game. We're not really worried about what's going on. We already know our we're set. We're going to Detroit. They kind of looked like they were already they were they had their mindset already on Detroit. Mm. And uh, I got to say, that BG game, it was very fun. I was on the call of that game. It was probably the craziest game I'd ever called before. I mean, it was. Me and David had a lot of those, too, but but they were more NIU. So we're going to move on from that. We'll keep you posted, Logan. We'll get in the Rocket recap a little little bit later. Uh, David, keep going with your winners and losers. All right. Another college team that kind of took care of business, conference championship, Tulane, Green Wave. I was watching that game live. I'm going to get to the the professional team and loser segment, but Tulane may have the best football team in the city of New Orleans. And no one would have thought that August, September, even October. True. But shout out to the Tulane Green Wave. They've been through a lot as a program. You know, ESPN loves doing the, you know, bringing old, you know, Katrina and restoring and rebuilding the program and, you know, bringing, you know, those traumatic events and the loss of life and everything, bringing the program and the team together as a family but yeah Tulane is not going to be an easy pushover so look out for the green wave would not be surprised if they win the bowl game mm, that's true keep going another school we'll talk a little bit about this later but Colorado getting the hot 
the hot prospect, Coach, Coach Prime, by rumors, thinking that they were going to do it. He's does coming. This make Colorado, He's coming. Does this make Colorado football the best, you know, team in the Pac-12 now? Well, but wait a minute, David. Now with tra- now with the transfer portal, you can get immediately good. Do you think Coach Prime? He's already got a few guys come already come the transfer in, and obviously his son's coming in as the quarterback. I don't think this year, obviously, but what about next year, twenty twenty four season, when maybe national championship hopes, or at least to make a college football playoff run, possibly. I I would say, and you know, <clears throat> time stamps whatever you will. By 2025, Colorado's going to win the Pac-12 or whatever conference they're in. I, I think Colorado, with the recruiting, get a couple years of prime. You know he's going to bring in coordinators that are the big names, marquee. Everyone's going to want to play for Coach Prime. And he changes the culture of the program. He did it in Jackson State, I believe. And I know for certain he's going to do it against Colorado, or do it in Boulder. And for the first time in a while, I mean... Colorado may have the best football team in the state in two years, including the NFL team. Like, I, I think, yeah, Colorado is primed to not get back to the days, you know, Bill McCartney and, you know, we're going to win and be kind of dynamic. Do I think they'll have like a Cordell Stewart flash moment? Probably not. But do I think just given how the conference is where everyone just cannibalizes everyone else, why not Colorado? Yeah, that is true. Um, now, I got to ask you this, and, I, and this was on my mind. Did he do Jackson State wrong for leaving? Yes and no. Yes, because everyone, you know, you want to stay there as long as I say if you're going to be head coach, you should be there for at least one full graduating class. True. That, that's just my personal opinion. Right. But at the same time, going in, everyone told Dion, hey, you have to go through these steps to get a head coaching job in the NFL because, you know, nepotism. Right. And, for and all these other programs. And, and sometimes you have the stench of being a former player. I mean, now Jeff Saturday came in and coached the Colts, but he didn't want – and plus I don't think he really wanted to go the assistant route, you know, that long, winding road of being the gerbil in the hamster cage. So he went down and became a head coach and tried to show that what he can do. You're right. I, I do try to understand that. But do you think that – Basically, Dion. I mean, Dion did a lot for HBCUs and the SWAC conference. Brought in the revenue and the television stuff, and, and really got them talking about stuff. But you, obviously, he rubbed some of the HBCU um, coaches the wrong way. Grambling State's coach Eddie Robinson Jr.'s um, son. Basically, he rubbed him, saying he was saying he was really SWAC. So. Some people are upset with him. They feel that he pulled the wool over their eyes. But he was a great salesman. But then again, if you've heard the stories, people at the school actually, he got robbed. Him and his son got robbed. And then there was misallocated funds used by the university. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff kind of, if you dig deeper at Jackson State in the football program, and kind of even some of the revenue, like, you can legitimately say that it was Deion Sanders that rebuilt Jackson State, you know, the Under Armour deal, that was prime. The facilities, that was prime doing his own money. Making them play on a legitimate football field and not at a high school stadium, that was prime. Like, getting Jackson State up to the standard of where the base level group of five or, you know, Atlantic 10 football programs are, you know, in terms of here's what the facility's supposed to look like. 
And, yeah, that was all prime. I think a lot of people are having the HBC, you know, because he promised them that, you know, he would stay there forever, you know, be Jackson State, deliver all these things. But at the same time, all the exposure that Jackson State got is good for everybody. Because Jackson State feasted, they got the prime, and, you know, they got the primetime TV deals, college game day was there. Like, that benefits everybody in the HBCU culture, in the HBCU environment and kind of that bubble. But Prime was told from the jump, you guys start at high school football, then go to a small school, then you can, you know, get that jump to the big school, and then we'll think about you, you know. So, yeah, I, like, I understand both sides, but then I also understand there was a bigger goal in mind for Prime and not being at HBCU for 10, 15 years. Mm, that's true. Keep going. Right. Switching over to the pro game a little bit, Dallas Cowboys, the aforementioned Jeff Saturday-led Indianapolis Colts, got the brakes beat off of them in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I don't want to say that I don't want to say that Dallas is good, just because they keep running the T3 outlet out there as a running back number one when you guys know how I feel about him and Tony Pollard. Um, but it, it's got to be Super Bowl or bust. Like, if Dallas doesn't make the Super Bowl, it's a failure for them. Mm. Like, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if it, they lose, you know, 45-44 to the Vikings on a late second you know, field goal from 60 yards. It's a failure. Regardless of anyone says, and if this is a failure, someone's got to go. And it's going to be McCarthy who ends up uh, dining on the bullet. You think so? Well, somebody will have to. <clears throat> and I think I I have a feeling it's going to be him. As unfair as it sounds, but I also think that Dallas is not going to the Super Bowl from the NFC. I think that's either going to be. I'd say Philly or I'd say Philly or I mean I wanted to go San Francisco but since Jimmy G's dead uh-huh. Brock Purdy's leading them to success. <clears throat> you think so? Well, Former Iowa State player. I mean they have not lost since Christian McCaffrey has come, you know, come join their team. Uh back to Dallas though. I feel like McCarthy's kind of like Jerry Jones's homeboy. I don't see that happening with McCarthy. Um I would see you know, you gave Ezekiel Elliott 15 or 16 million dollars a year. He has he has played better this season, but Tony Pollard he to me should be running back one for those Cowboys. Greg Saylor said hello. Yeah, assistant football coach at Blissfield High School. Mm-hmm. Keep going, right. keep going, David. <clears throat> all right, and then the last winner for me: late game drama in the NFL. All of the close games. Kind of thinking about the Vikings, the Jets. Do I think the Jets should have won that game? Absolutely, just. You, you yeah. basically what you're saying is is that um you want receipts. Likewise, the hammer. Yeah, but you want receipts yeah. though. Yeah, I, I want receipts. He talked. I mean, two times in the last, like late in the fourth quarter, right around the goal line, and you don't get touchdown. I mean, what can you do? You have you have to you play to win the game, as the former Jets coach once said, and. Vikings went out there and they won the game. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was one of the many late game dramas in the league. Um, switching over to the losers, 
was saying the NFL, Giants, Washington. All the, everyone was saying, oh, my gosh, you can't have ties. Ties, World Cup, blah, blah, blah. Giants of Washington. First of all, I ranted about this all week, If and we'll get a little bit next week. If Baker Mayfield can run a two-minute offense and literally not know any of the plays or the players on the team, you can't be the New York Giants. Have the ball. And all you have to do is just run the clock out under two minutes and win the game, and you decide to throw three times. That That's a fireable offense in and of itself. I'm, I'm just going to say, like, the, inept, the ineptitude that we saw in the Giants-Washington game in the fourth quarter and overtime, both teams deserve a lot. Like, I know ties are technically considered, like, .5 wins, but both of those, neither of those teams deserve to have a loss or a tie on this record because that was bad. Add that one to the coaching malfeasance file, and plus it... <laughs> It it affects the Detroit Lions because even though they've beaten both those teams, now that's pretty much a case where they've got to win out. Otherwise, they have nine wins. They're nine and eight. Those teams are nine, seven, and one. Guess who gets in via tiebreaker? Either the Giants or the Commanders. Yeah, it's going to be a cruel. I mean, that's also typical Detroit to get screwed over like that having a great season and something happens that kind of derails them, that's setting, that's setting lines up fans for failure. So don't put that in the air, Ricky Bobby. Well, hey, I'll, I'll just say Lions need to go out, take care of their own business. Went out, you're in. There you go. Simple as that. And right. Another team that, that should have, I mean, New Orleans Saints. We all saw it on Monday night. Despite, and like I looked at some of the stuff in the Times Picayune Tuesday, head coach needs to be, like, I feel like there's a lot of people that want head coach gone. Blink gave my head at the moment. But not just him, the offensive coordinator should have been fired on the spot. Because you can have arguably the best pass catching running back in Alvin Kamara continue to get touches taken away from him by Gadget. I guess he's kind of good, Taysom Hill. Let's just give him all the you know star players and star touches and stats and blah, blah, blah. And then Chris Olave, who I still think is the best rookie wide receiver, even though everyone puts Garrett Wilson up there, um, who we haven't you know, seen in a couple weeks. Um, but those two players kind of on the sidelines while Hobble and Mark Ingram and practice squad players that you brought up that day are out there in late-game situations, knowing that Tom Brady's still on the other side of the field and doesn't need a whole lot of time to beat you and break your heart. Like, New Orleans Saints should just tank this, the rest of the season, bring back Sean Payton, get a quarterback in the draft, and try to revamp. Because this team is not that bad. It's coaching, coaching ineptitude against. Coaching season, the entire New Orleans Saints offense for the majority of this year goes in that file. Hmm. Keep going. A few more minutes. Sure. One last game from the NFL, Browns-Texans. Good God. Like, <laughs> I heard that game was pretty I, – I, I watched a little bit of it, but I heard it was uh-huh. pretty bad. I, I understand – 
like, and it, it makes sense. When you haven't played professional football in a year and a half, you're going to look like that. But still. When you're playing a high school when, team. <laughs> I mean, both, both of those teams should probably take that as a loss. Because the offensively challenged, I mean, I don't know if Nick Schultz has just fallen off the face of the earth. But that should have been a game where he feasted. I mean, defense, special teams for the Browns, for those of you that play fantasy football. Browns had like 30 fantasy points. Like, pick sixes left and right, touchdowns. I mean, it was, and Houston, Houston's bad. And I don't know if they're going to go quarterback. And the Jeff, I don't know if they go receiver. Houston just needs a whole new team. Offensively, defensively, coaching. Just, you know what? Let's just move the Houston franchise. I don't know yeah, where they already did they, that. They, they moved into Tennessee. So where are you get? So where would you relocate them? Right, Mexico City. Oh well, I've car- heard that's an opportunity for NBA and NFL franchises. But, yeah. but then you got to worry about the cartels right. <clears throat> and cro- and visas and all mm-hmm. that garbage. Yeah, no, it's a little yeah, bit different than Canada. Move to St. Louis. I mean. Actually, that would be a fair shot. Yeah. Anything else, David? And and then the last loser for me, Dr. Pepper. First of all, more exciting than the, the actual game on the football field, which says a lot. Um, but, Dr., when Twitter has to bully you into giving two college students $100,000 off of some overtime, like everyone's you know, making fun of chess passing, I mean... If chess passes wins you games and gets you money, everybody chess pass. I don't care. But for them to have, you know, eight, nine overtime rules and, oh, there was a free, free day, she won the tiebreaker, blah, blah, blah. Like, on the field matters. doesn't matter what you did the day before. It's this moment in clutch time. So thanks to everyone on Twitter and social media pressuring Dr. Pepper, which has, you know, net revenue. Clearly over $100,000 doing the right thing, giving both of those young women hundred k for their college. Mm. Yeah. Right. And that's it? <clears throat> and then the Heisman Trust. I mean, we, we talk about the Heisman every year as being a basically quarterback award. I'm done talking about the Heisman and how it really doesn't award the best player in college football. Well, 25 years ago, it went to... Um... Charles Woodson, but it's mostly an offensive award. You did have a Devontae Smith wide receiver, you know, but it's always a quarterback award. You pretty much get a once in a decade. Well, uh, my 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 belief is it goes to a talented player who's also marketable, right? And so I think they need to change their mission statement to the best college football player with integrity. Just say the best who's also most marketable. True, because what. David, why in God's green earth is Stetson Bennett a Heisman finalist? Now, full disclosure. He's on the best team in the country. I have said that Stetson Bennett is the Rodney Dangerfield of college football quarterbacks. He gets no respect. And he won a freaking national championship. But he wasn't even first or second team all conference. And and I don't even think he was a finalist for Davey O'Brien, Maxwell, Walter Camp, Namie Ward. And yet he's still there. The Heisman Trophy has become honestly a, a little bit of a laughing stock, really. 
It really has. <laughs> if you look at it, now that it's the since the playoff has been implemented, mm. you look at the past winners. You look at RG3. You look at Johnny Manziel. They didn't have to be undefeated or with one loss. I feel like the last two years, you see C.J. Stroud pretty much almost drop in the odds simply because they lost to Michigan, even if he had a good game or not. You know, you, it's about who plays the best all year long. Recently, I feel like it's become who's played their best at the very end of the season, mm-hmm. not as a whole season. <clears throat> you look at RG3, he was, what, 8-4 and four the year he won the Heisman Trophy? But he was up there, and he just he just looked better. Well, it is, it is a popularity contest. I mean, it's been doing that for years. I mean, yeah, yeah. And even even Case's point last year, Gino Toretto won the Heisman <laughs> back in '92, and we knew he was going to be nothing in the NFL. But yeah. he's and, a or, look, or even look at Aiden Hutchinson last year, who was a finalist. And look, I I don't have a problem with defensive players being named. But he had worse numbers than Will Anderson. Will Anderson was straight, has been straight up disrespected throughout the Heisman process last year. The fact he had it wasn't close stat, statistically. It was not close who was better. Uh, but because Aiden Hutchinson on the biggest stage had two or three sacks against C.J. Stroud, that's what put him in. Yeah, and then he, and then when it gets to the bright lights against Georgia, he was he non-existent. Was yeah. Of course, but but of course, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to. They're crap all over Aiden Hutchinson since he's actually playing very well for my Lions. <laughs> it's just true. It was just true. That's what you saw. You know. All right. Is that it, David? <clears throat> yeah, that, that's it. It's going to go tonight to someone who shouldn't, you know. We're going to have questions. And, yeah, like it's been said, the last couple of Heisman's have been tainted. But it's what... <laughs> It's what these quote-unquote voters watch. You know, they watch two or three weeks of football. They probably read Twitter more than they do actually watching the games and getting their determinations. But I'm sure it's going to go to Caleb Williams, and people are going to complain about it. And I'm going to come on here next week and say, basically, you know, system quarterback, well, Lincoln Riley has another Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Last two haven't done bleep in the NFL. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Winners and losers. Oh, well, I've got a couple of winners too. Oh, um, I go. wanted to throw this in last week, but we were crunched for time. I'm the uh, Ottawa Lake White for Bobcats for winning the Division Eight State Championship. Congratulations! Yep, I was actually there for it, and their mentor by, uh, handed the trophy. Right? Yes, uh, Jason Mensing, their former head coach, who moved on to Westland John Glenn as a, and he's now also on the representative council with uh, Michigan High School Athletic Association. Hand the trophy to head coach Todd Teakin. Mm. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Mm. And, and of course, Whiteford's Shea Ruddy, their quarterback, also is our Friday Night Victors Player of the Year. Mm. And kid's been a four-year starter. Her, He's broken a lot of school records. <laughs> of course, uh, I also got to put up with him on the basketball court in, in uh, about a week and a half as they're going to be coming yeah, to the corral to play Bedford. Yeah, but did he earn a field or is that a popularity contest that he wanted? No, uh, no, he he earned it. He was, uh, he was, because you know. Well, because well, he was outstanding on both sides of the ball, David. I mean, I'll even, I'll even pull, I'll even go ahead and pull up uh, the post that our own Chris Schultz did. And let's let it load because <coughs> he was a good qu- quarterback and a defensive back. Heck for the Bobcats, he ended up with he led him to a fourteen and zero record. Heard state championship, 
Yep, accounted for 38 TDs. He's combined passing and rushing, ran for 789 yards, threw for over 1,200 yards, and on defense he had 76 tackles, three TFLs a sack, and also had 19 passes defended. And his career record heard uh, 37-9 and as a starter, 4,500 yards rushing, yards passing, and 2,300 rushing for his career. Yeah, then the, and the kid's a gamer. Okay, cool. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Well, you can always listen to 88.3 WGs after further review on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Got a picture of Frank Vashner with the horse's head. WGTs after further review. Or you can watch us live stream on our Facebook page, WGTs after further review sports show. Or we're on Twitter, AFR Sports Show. Coming up next, Rocket Recap. Should Candle stay or should he go? And I have a theory to where he could possibly go. Logan's over there cutting his throat over there. So we'll get into that (laughs) debate as the Rockets are MAC champions. But what's more important, MAC championship or the rival I-75 rivalry? We'll debate that and more here on 88.3 WTs. After further review, we'll be back after this.